Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, and it can be found on page 6 of your bulletins, and page 7 if you want Spanish. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment, and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? He asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Thank you so much for the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this glorious day where we have an opportunity to come yet again to your word, to open up the scriptures to what you have to say to us. So we pray that you receive all the glory and the praise and help your servant to remember to pray at the end. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> amen, amen. So we uh, come back to our study of Elijah. And this is our last time looking in, into uh, his life um, today. It's been about four weeks now that we've done so. And it's been such a privilege to all of us. And I've learned so much through his life. God's faithfulness, God's um, just how God is with his people. And you know, uh, today's passage really brings us to a place where we see that things were tense in the life of Elijah and, and, and Elisha in this way. 
as we already read that, something is about to happen that's like a huge shift. We all have gone through times in our lives where we've gone through huge transitions and shifts and things that were challenging. I remember being in Uganda, Africa. Maybe I shared this story with you before. I'm with my friends, there's nine of us, and we decide we want to go rafting on the White Nile. And so we head out with our, with our guides, and we go on the river, and of course, you know, when we reach some white water, you know, it's fun just to topple over whenever you come to the, one of the, you know, little um, peaking white waters there. And so my friends thought this was a good idea. I didn't. I wasn't a strong swimmer. Uh, and so to me, it felt like chaos. Uh, felt like a whirlwind. And so we, we paddled. It's like, go, go fast, go fast. And we topple over. And there I am wondering, will I see the light of day? As I'm in the dark waters, right? Festival with crocodiles. So uh, I'm, I'm there, and it's just me. And it felt like forever, right? You, I'm there underneath the raft. My head has hit it. And I'm wondering, will I be able to get out from under this? Is this the end? Uh, it was so uncertain for me. And so there I was. It was just a few seconds, but it felt like forever. And then I guess I said to myself, calm down. And so <laughs> thankfully I had on a life vest. It, it popped me back up. <laughs> and uh, popped me back up. And, but that experience taught me that, yes, there are times when in the blink of an eye, right, you see to pray. There are times when life is uncertain uh, for all of us, and we need to come to that point uh, in some ways of just giving up, you know, like the old saints used to say, let go and let God. You know, there may be times of uncertainty in your life as well. As you think about uh, coming to a new city, perhaps, for some of you who may be new to Washington, D.C., uh, new to this place, and it's like a lot of transition. It's like, what is going on here? How do I get around the metro, and, and how, how do I order a cab? You know, it may be new to some people, or you, you may be in the situation where it's a whirlwind on your job. You know, you've worked hard on some projects, and now your boss comes in and says, I, I'm, I'm going to have to transition you to another department. And you thought, I was just thriving here. Why is he bringing this whirlwind to me? I will have to work longer hours. And, I, you know, I want to be faithful uh, to church. But now I have to work longer hours here. And I won't be able to make it to my life group. It may be something like that for you, change of schools, change of job, change of city, change of neighborhood, change of, of friends. Um, but as we come to this text today, 2 Kings 2, it was like that in the life of these saints, like that, like that here in the story of Elijah and Elisha, because God tells us right there in verse 1 that he is about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind situation. And so we learned that in the, in the storm of uncertainty, though, through this story, we, we learned that God continues to bring his persistent certainty for us, those who believe, those who would dare to have faith in him, that he continues to prove himself certain in our, in our lives. And sometimes it's hard to hold on to, like, when things do get rough for us, God, like, God, is your promise real here? 
God, I don't feel you. Are you present with me over here in this relationship? God, I don't have enough strength to move on. Do you have enough power to push me ahead? And so in the midst of uncertainty, God does prove himself to be certain over and over again by indeed his promises, his presence, and his power. And so we see here in the first six verses that there is indeed a certainty of promise here. We see three times, you know, Elijah saying, please stay here to Elisha, his disciple, you know, his assistant. said, please remain here. Elijah says this to him emphatically even. Uh, you know, it's like, stay here, Con- trying to convince him. Stay here, stay put. And the text doesn't necessarily give us the, the reason why Elijah is so strong, so adamant about why Elisha should remain in Gilgal and in other cities that they went to, but he's persistent. And so some believe that, you know, Elijah is testing Elisha, you know, to see if he's faithful. Uh, but with this emphatic plea, it doesn't appear to be a game. It does appear that God is, is it indeed doing what he's always done in Elijah's life since he was anointed as prophet. God speaks and he listens and he just goes. The striking thing that I see here is that God sent me to go over here. Even though God said, I'm giving you Elijah to be with you, to come after you. He said, he sent me to go. And so it exposes here Elisha's response. Each time he says, remain here, Elisha has a promised devotion to Elijah. He said, no, as the Lord lives and as I live, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. I will not leave you. So he follows him through these places, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, Jordan. In every city, there's these witnesses, right? There are these witnesses to what God is doing. God is speaking not only to Elijah and Elisha, but there are sons of prophets who are telling the truth that God is going to take him up. God, this is the day that God is going to take him up. They're witnesses to these things. And so in Gilgal, we notice something about the history of these places. They are the, they're like places of promise. In Gilgal specifically, this is the, this is the place where uh, Joshua came with the people after they crossed into the land. And in this place, God says, I have taken the rebuke from Israel that I had towards them in the desert. The children of Israel disobeyed God by not going up in the land, by not trusting in his promises of being faithful or being with them. They did not. They said, there are giants in the land. We must not go when God said, go. And so in this place, we remember the promise of God that, hey, I'm going to give you this land. And so when they come into Gilgal, God says, I'm taking away this rebuke, this reproach from you. All the elders have passed away, but the, the children of them, they will receive the land. Even in Bethel, we see that Jacob was given a promise from God. Jacob's ladder, he dreamed a dream. Angels descending, ascending. And the promise was to him 
that the land of which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and shall spread abroad to the west and the east and north and south. He's promising the land, reiterating the promise that he is given. And then he says in Genesis 28, verse 15, Behold, I am with you, will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. God promises, I will not leave you. And then at Jericho, we know the the promise of them entering the land and God conquering their enemies all around. God brings down the walls of Jericho. And even at Jordan, we see a reflection of when the children of Israel came over on dry land through the Jordan River. Again, a promise, I will not leave my people. And so here, Elijah is trying to hold on to Elijah. I will not leave you. I will not leave you. And of course, we see throughout the text that he's not strong enough to hold on to Elijah. He's not strong enough to keep him close forever. There's tension here because he knows that God is about to take him up. And he wants just to hold on for dear life. And he can't. Because it is God's will to take him up. And so we see this same type of promise here. You know, the promise of being with someone. The promise of never leaving nor forsaking. We see this in the traditional marriage vows, don't we? We see this as people give themselves their hearts to one another in the covenant relationship. I take you to be my wife, my husband, to have and to hold from this day forth forever for better, for worse, rich or poor, sickness and health, to love, cherish, till death us do part, according to God's holy law. So in one sense, we see the anxiety of Elijah's heart not wanting to let go of Elijah. In another sense, we see this promised devotion, I would not leave you. And we've seen it before in Scripture, through Ruth said the same thing to Naomi, For where you will go, I will go. Where you lodge, I lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. And that's it, isn't it? Elijah is trying to follow Elijah. It's like, no, I've committed myself to you. When you called me, I went and sacrificed 12 yoke of oxen. And I slaughtered them and fed them to the people. Basically, he gave up everything to follow Elijah and the will of God. And he's saying, I'm not going to ever let you go. And so we have these covenant commitments, right, in our friendships, in our marriages. But maybe this morning, you may feel a little bit like I feel at times when it gets rough, when the whirlwind of life starts to happening in relationships, in marriages, you feel like, I don't know about this promise. I want to let go. I don't want to hold on Some of you may be upset with your spouse, even now, going through the service because you had a spat this morning on the the way over to church. And you feel like the promise to be there, to never let go, is waning for you. You You just want to let go. But see, God is calling you to the commitment to remain because he's remaining in you. He's committed towards you, never to leave you, never to forsake you. The difficulty comes, yes, 
And we want to hold on to that person. Maybe it's somebody who that's not good for us to hold on to. And we're trying to be devoted. But see, nothing should ever trump our devotion to God. Nothing should ever overshadow that promised love to him. And there are times when in our relationships, we do give up. We sort of lax in our commitment to God for the sake of another. And then this is the great tension indeed in marriage, right? Paul teaches us that in the New Testament. It's like, yes, those who are single, you are able to give more time to the work of the Lord, more time to the kingdom business, more time to the things of God. But when you are married, you you have to give time to your family as well, as well as the things of God. And that's a tough tension because like you don't want your family to be left out, but you know that God wants you to remain holding on to him because it is God who's holding on to you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always be with you. This is God's promise. Because if we know that God has promised this type of certainty, right, we want to see where it shows up. It's like, God, you promised this. Where's your presence? Where's your presence here? And we see this, the certainty of of his presence in verses 7 through 12. You know, uh, here they are. Elijah takes his cloak that is rolled up, and he struck the water with it. And then the waters parted, one side to the other, so that they could go through on dry ground. And so they parted here, showing that God is indeed present with Elijah. God is indeed present with what he has in his possessions. God is present with him. And so it is so wise of Elisha, even, to ask him for a double portion. And so when they had crossed the, the, the Jordan, the tension rises some. Because remember, they, you know, Elisha said, keep quiet to the, the sons of the prophets, you know, the, the disciples of the prophets. Keep quiet about it. Everyone knew that he was going to be taken up. But he said, keep quiet about it. And then they crossed the, the Jordan. And then Elijah turned to Elisha. And he says, ask what I shall for you before I'm taken from you. Finally, there's release. There's a relief in the story. Finally, the tension is, 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 is out there. The elephant in the room is named. Elijah names it. I'm going to be taken up for you. So ask of me, what shall I do for you? And Elijah asked him for a double portion. And a double portion is so significant throughout the history of God's people, especially those in the land, because it meant that the firstborn son received two portions of the land or whatever that, two portions of what the father's inheritance is, a double portion for him. And so Elijah, he probably is thinking, you know, Elijah, you don't have any land. You're a prophet going where God tells you to go. And what could he ask for except a double portion of his spirit? Remember, he is devoted to God, devoted to Elijah, remaining in God. And he's asking for more of God's presence, more of what God would do through him. And of course, this is a hard thing because it's not up to Elijah to grant this. But he says, if you see me, and I like this because it reminds me that, 
hey, we have to see and remain faithful. If you see me when I'm taken up, it shall be done for you. God spoke this through his mouth, that when you see me, remain faithful to looking, it shall be done for you. And so we see God's presence here in Elisha to have a double portion. We also see God's presence here because as they went on and as they talked, chariots of fire and horses separated them. You see what God had to do to Elijah? Elijah was holding on to Elijah so hard. He promised, I'm, going, I'm not going to leave you. And the presence of God had to come in and to separate them. Chariots of fire and of horses came in between them. And right when that happened, the whirlwind came and took Elijah up. The whirlwind was happening as well in Elijah's heart. Remember the tension? Must have been the groaning of his heart. He's going to be taken up. This is going to be a hard thing for me. I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to mention it. I don't want to move into it. I, I, almost like he just wants to be in denial of it. And we know it was a point of grief because when this happens, when he, after he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen, he tore his clothes. Hard to see him go. He grieved it. Even though he knew the presence of God was there in the land, he grieved the homegoing of Elijah. He says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, God's presence was with them. God's presence to fight their battles was still with them. Jezebel and Ahab, they, had, they hadn't won the day. God was still fighting for his people through his presence. And he saw Elijah no more. And we have stories like this in the Bible of where, you know, there's this idea of God's presence in hard times. I think of the life of Joseph. You know, Joseph was a favorite of his father, and then he was sold into slavery. He go through some trials, some hard times there in Egypt, in jail, falsely accused. Maybe some of you feel like that today. Like, I've been falsely accused. I'm somebody who's thrown in disarray. Things have been blamed on me that really haven't been true. Is God's presence with me? It sure doesn't feel like it. Things aren't going my way. But, you know, just like Joseph, he had to come to learn, to remain faithful to God, to see him, to really look and trust in the word of God, that promise of God. And God promoted him to the right hand of Pharaoh. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen for everybody, but the key is that God was about saving many lives because his brothers came into the land. When they were in great need, they had a famine. They came down to Egypt, and there was an opportunity for Joseph to pay wrong for wrong. It was hard to face his brothers because he knew they had betrayed him. But you know what? He kept his eyes on God. He remained in the presence of the Lord. He said, hey, you meant this for evil, but God meant this for good. And Joseph did end up receiving a double portion from his father. Because he was the one, Rachel was the one that Jacob loved. 
and that was his first son from Rachel. And so his, when they came into the land, his sons gained possession, Ephraim and Manasseh. And those were his two sons and their descendants. And so he received the double portion of his father. But you know what? The people of God here today, we too have received double portion from our father. Because of what Christ has done on the cross and in our lives by bringing his spirit, we have received the full portion because it's promised to us that we are co-heirs with Christ. We're seated with him in the heavenly places. We too are with Christ at the right hand. We are, we've received the inheritance that is ours, that is in Christ. We have received that full portion. We have the presence of God with us. So we can move on out. We can move on out to bless. We can move on out to give hope. We can move on out to encourage. Even when times are tough for us, we still, we still can encourage by this testimony. I know my Redeemer lives. I know that he is with me, never to leave me, nor to forsake me. I know because he's promised it, but he's with me by the presence of his Holy Spirit. Jesus promised I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. But when I'm ascended on high, I will pour out my spirit. And he does that on his people. He, the spirit comes to give them a presence of God, to lead them to see the truth. Without the spirit, we cannot see the truth of scripture. There's no way that you can explain God in a way that brings a, a, a heart alive in a person. Only the Spirit can do that. Just like the 50 men that look from afar, we have to be the witnesses of God, to bear witness of what the Spirit is done, doing in our lives, living our lives in the uncertainty of our age, but coming with the certainty of God's presence, of God's promise to us, because that is indeed God's power to us as well. And I love this question that Elijah asked. Because whenever you know, Elijah was gone and his cloak somehow fell to the ground. And, and remember, like, you know, in uh, 1 King 19, this was the cloak that was wrapped around Elisha when God says, I want you to go and anoint him to f- come in your place. So Elijah put the cloak around him. This was the same cloak, you know, the Jedi cloak. Not, not really. But... Uh, <laughs> But this was the same cloak that he put around him, and he took up this cloak. But, but you see, you know, the power of God, that God will put his power in certain instruments, in certain people, certain tools to do his bidding. So here he comes back to the Jordan, and he hits the water. He says, he asks this question, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Maybe you're asking that this morning. Where are you, oh God? He's right here. Look at this. And it's, he struck the water. And when he did that, the water parted from one side to another, showing that he is indeed the anointed one, the anointed prophet of God to carry on the work of Elijah, that God, has, his power is with those in the land. His power is with those who are weak to save them. His power is with those who are weak 
to heal them. His power is with those who are weak to redeem them. That God has not left his people, that his power is made manifest even through Elisha as he walked back across into the land like the children of Israel did, back into the land, going back to the places where Elijah went to refresh the prophets, to refresh God's people, to say there is hope in Israel. God's power is here. It hasn't left. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's still here with us even to this day because we have the very words of God. Our eyes are open. We're listening to God. We're, we're ready. It's like the spirit hovering over the waters in the beginning, ready to make a move. The spirit is ready to make a move in your lives today. Where are you hurting? What do you feel downtrodden? What do you feel hurt by somebody? Where do you need to have a significant conversation, a hard conversation? The spirit will move to help you and give you power to say what needs to be said. What do you need to let go of in your life today? So that the spirit and the power of God can be made manifest through you. Because God is not going to move you unless you are before him. Turning away from those things you need to let go of. Repenting of those things you need to let go of. So his power can be made manifest in our weakness. For it is by grace that we are indeed saved and can move in these ways. And so the ultimate place that we do see the power of God in us is on the cross, right? This is the ultimate place where we see that his love is demonstrated. This is the ultimate place where we see the power of death being dealt with, the wrath of God being dealt with in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible tells us that you are living sacrifice unto God. Be a living sacrifice the spirit now that was in Jesus, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now in you. Be a living sacrifice, ready to take up your cross and follow him day by day by day. Be a living sacrifice. Be this tool of power in God's hand by the power of his spirit that your eyes may continually be open to the, to the army of God that's around you, the cloud of witnesses that have gone before you to the very presence of God that remains in you, to the promises of God that are yes and amen in Jesus. Let's trust in this God. Let's move out in this power. Let's do that even now. Let's do that today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. You're the God that opens the eyes of the blind. We thank you for opening our eyes to this passage today. We pray that you will move us, move us to really hold on to you for you are holding on to us, never to leave us, never to forsake us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.